We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 275. Our guest today is the owner and president of The Clothes Horse, which if you haven't heard of them before, you for sure have seen them around, especially if you frequent horse shows. Um, They do have a lot of pieces that go on the horse, like their iconic rain sheet, which they basically invented, and more on that in the episode, but you for sure have seen horse show setups with the beautiful backdrops, the tuck trunk covers, the director chairs, everything perfectly branded to each business and LLC. Well, that is the clothes horse. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Katrina Coldren. Hi, Katrina. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Oh, you know, crazy, hectic, busy, but, but good, but good. good. I love it. I would love to hear, I mean, I obviously want to hear so much about the clothes horse, but first tell me how you first got into the horse world. What did that look like for you? My mom says it's, it's a genetic flaw. My first word when I was two was pony or something similar. And (laughs) I come from non-horse people. Um, my grandfather loved horses, but we weren't a family that had horses in the family or anything like that. My mom was a nurse. My dad worked in a bank and we lived in Hartford, Connecticut. And they were like, pony, what the heck, you know? And I spent 10 years begging for pony lessons, got them when I was 10 or 11 years old. I guess I probably didn't beg that first year or two, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then sort of did summer camps, did those sorts of things, uh, still with my parents scratching their heads, thinking it was a phase, you know, as I Mm -hmm. think non-horse parents do when they have a horsey child in the family. And then, you know, but it didn't, I didn't grow out of it and grew up showing in central Pennsylvania on like a regional level with posters on my walls of, you know, Leslie Burr, Lenahan and Mm. Katie Monahan and Joe Fargess, and they were my rock stars growing up. But I didn't show on that level. But I did show a lot locally my, my entire uh, growing up years, and then ended up doing this quite by accident. Wow. <laughs> Yay. So you are the owner of The Clothes Horse, which I didn't know is celebrating its 50th year of business this crazy? year. So crazy. Um, can you tell me about the history of The Clothes Horse and how it kind of came to be? I can. So I'm the second owner. The original owner, Edith Friedman, um, was obviously the creator of the company. And I like to say for one man's want of a new kind of rain sheet and one woman's willingness to try something new, Hmm. the clothes horse came into existence. In her generation, she was a little unusual in that she um, had a a college education in as a young woman had gone to college, which not all the women did then. And she was a home ec teacher. And she wanted to do horses and her, her husband asked for her to try to find a way to help support that. And so she sold, she had a little tack business on the side and some gentleman, I don't even know where, somewhere in, in Pennsylvania, had walked into her little shop and said, I need a rain sheet. Like I have, there's these rain sheets that I can buy and they're, they're no good. Like they blow away and they have all these problems. And she went home, she took his information. She said, no, I don't know of anything, but she went home, bought some fabric, put it together, made a rain sheet saw him a month or two later, handed it over. 
free. Just hand it to him. See if this works. She didn't hear from him for a year. She was like, well, I guess that that was a non-starter. Um, <laughs> and, and then uh, he came back a year later and said, uh, I have an order for five more. My friends all want them. And that sort of was, yeah, and they're like, can you do them in these colors? And no one before her had had this idea of barn colors. You know, like before that, you just went to the tax shop and whatever was on the rack is what you bought whatever the, the companies that made horse blankets uh, had made. And she was really the first one to say, well, you know, to make it like a barn uniform situation. Um, and that was the first, those rain sheets, he asked for a few different colors. She made a couple, made some improvements, and it sort of just snowballed from there. It was in her basement, and then it was in a small shop, and then and then we moved to this shop. She, I came to work for her in 1990. She uh, moved to this shop in 1993, where we are still located since 1993 in, wow. this, in this building. And then how did you end up taking ownership of the close horse? <laughs> Another, it's, it's all these strange sort of, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's typical like coincidences in life, right? Like you yeah. have all these plans and thoughts and then just stuff just happens. As I said, I'm, I'm from central Pennsylvania and always a horse girl, but a little bit of a, you know, I used to say I was like a groupie and a friend of mine had moved out here with her boyfriend to this part of, we're just outside of Philadelphia um in new jersey and i was still in central pennsylvania working at a record store back when we had those things and uh, i had a bad breakup with a boy and i was on the phone with my friend and she said you should just quit that that bad job and move out here she said i have a friend who has this this company that makes horse blankets and she needs someone to answer the phone a couple hours a day and I, I'm sure she would love someone who knew what horses were all about and could sort of have a, a good conversation. And so I did that. I moved out here and started working part-time. Then I was full-time. Then I was the shop manager. And Edith and I just really bonded. Like we just really, you know, I, I say she's my spare mom. She was just, we just really hit it off. And so we worked together for 10 or 11 years. And then when she was ready to retire, she moved to Florida with her husband. She made it possible for me to buy her out. It was really, I... You know, I say I'll, I'll be eternally grateful for what she taught me and then for her giving me the opportunity. I did go to college in there, but again, I had no idea I was meant to be, you know, equine seamstress to the stars. <laughs> Just yeah. sort of accidentally happened. Oh, I love it. Obviously, you carry more products than the rain sheet. What yeah. other product? Give me kind of the rundown of all of the products that you provide. Well, we would be here all day if I listed all of them. Because <laughs> we have this, Seriously. Right? We have this bizarre policy of sort of, we, we say we're the house of yes. And sometimes that's a great policy and sometimes <laughs> it gets us in trouble. Right. Um, but the meat and potatoes of what we do. So we would say horse in the horse clothes umbrella, there's show clothes, which basically distills down to three products. Wool dress sheets, which, you know, they wear when it's cold. Scrim sheets fly nets, whatever you want to call them, that they wear when it's hot and rain sheets that they wear when it's raining. So those three things in slight variations, but those three things in show horse, show clothing size, and then stable clothes, like stable sheets and blankets, winter blankets, which we make a few styles and weights. We do not get into turnout rugs. That's turnout blankets. That's the only thing we don't because we feel that there's some other companies out there making that product that because of different production techniques that allow them to not use a center vaccine and things like that, they do a better job. So we don't, we're, we let them do that. You know, we don't, we don't mess with that. 
and then we make trunk covers. So basically anything that you're putting on your van and taking to the horse show, I can make you a shipping cover for it. They're all made to measure. We made, we've made covers for refrigerators and microwave ovens and every kind of box and rack that people make. And then my favorite is also made the shipping covers for those Budweiser beer bottle jump standards way back in the day. Wow. So they'd be like a custom pattern. Yeah, I'd so say. really we'll, we'll do anything. And then the third big category is tack room drapes. So obviously the big just the big panels that you see at the horse shows with, with every at everybody's uh, tack room setups, director chair covers, table covers, all of those things with logos and colors and you know it's super fun to design all three of those categories to fit each barn's particular energy, aesthetic, branding, you know all of that stuff. Definitely. Um, I know. Yeah. I feel like it also just becomes a lot of what the barn is known for. Like it's its whole presence um, at the horse shows. So it's it's a big responsibility to get that right and to really kind of understand what each business is going for. You've obviously had so much success over the last several years, but obviously, as we both know, with running businesses, it always, you know, has its challenges too. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges you faced as a small business owner in this industry? Thankfully, it's not my customers who are pretty much always fabulous and uh, consistently there for me. And I have a lot of very loyal ones. So I'm I'm super thankful for them. Um, It really mostly would come on the other side. The textile industry in this country in the 30 years that I've been here has changed just night and day from there's just not any of it left here, right? When I first started, there were still sewing factories in the cities and there were still so, so there was a lot of textile in this country, textile industry in this country. Now it's really all gone, right? No one, there's no one's manufacturing stuff in this, in this country anymore. It's all gone um, overseas, which just means it's become a lot more difficult for me to purchase fabric. It's just harder to find what I need, where, when I need it, you know, in, on a very consistent, when, since we're trying to always maintain a very high standard of quality, you know, we have very high standards. We can't just buy whatever we can find. Um, so that's, I've gotten very good. I'm, I'm a very good buyer at this point, just because I've had to just become super clever in a lot of ways about finding the materials and, and the hardware and just all the components that we need. That's been hard. The two recessions in 2008 and, and then recently because of the pandemic, you know, that's always, you know, I say, those of us who came out the other side were leaner and meaner. You know, we had to learn <laughs> to make some some decisions on a, on a business level to keep things, to, you know, to keep the doors open. But we did, and I'm super proud of that. Right now, it's difficult to find good staff. I try to treat mine like family mm. um, because I want them to stay forever because we're not McDonald's. It takes a while to learn to be good, and then finding new ones is hard when you need to. And that's yep. especially difficult. I mean, every single person who employs anybody in this year is saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. If you could go back in time and change maybe like one thing about your career trajectory, is there anything you'd do differently? I I don't think so. I really yeah. don't. And it was a trajectory that it took me. I didn't plan it. And my degrees, I have a degree in, in art and I have a degree in anthropology. Hmm. Um, 
and, and I joke all the time because a, a, a firm understanding of the, the path of human evolution really guides my day-to-day -day, um, manufacturing of horse blankets. Um, it, so it's really accidental. And I don't know that I would go back and change anything. I'm really, really happy where I am. I'm so proud of what we do here and that we've been able to keep doing it. Um, and you mentioned earlier the responsibility of, you know, of, of the Barnes images. That's so important to me. And I, I really take very seriously that they trust me with that. And I'm so thankful for that. And I didn't even know that, you know, going back, looking forward, I didn't even know those feelings like were possible. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't go back and, and trade anything for them. EcoGold has always been on a mission to modernize the saddle pad and improve your horse's safety, comfort, and performance. EcoGold has really continued to be at the forefront of innovation. I personally am so fortunate to be a part of a top team in the hunter-jumper world at Heslink Williams, and we only use EcoGold's fitted pads for showing. We're in good company because Olympians like Boyd Martin, McLean Ward, Jacqueline Brooks, Jessica Phoenix rely on EcoGold pads every single day. So to get more information about EcoGold, you can visit their website at ecogold.ca. That's E-C-O-G-O-L-D dot C-A. Yeah, I mean, your products have been featured at barns, at horse shows with trainers, I mean, really all over the country. Are there any orders that you feel like have kind of like maybe left you a little starstruck or an order that you are especially proud of? Well, we do have celebrity clients and most, you know, people in the industry are aware that those people are out there. So I'm always honored to work with them. You know, more often than not, I'm working with the, the people, their, their barn managers and things like that. So that's always super fun to, yeah. be, to have those connections. Honestly, though, my answer to this question is always the retirement, the retirement coolers. Hmm. When I'm asked to make those retirement coolers, because people come to me with these funky visions or very specific special ideas for a special horse that's having a big retirement um, ceremony. Or sometimes it's just the favorite school horse at a local lesson barn that they're make they're having a, a retirement something for. I'm just oh, always yeah. so honored to be involved in that. Um, so those are always always my favorite. We've had some famous ones. We did uh, we did gem twists. We oh. did judgments. We did arrows. So some fancy Grand Prix horses. Yeah. Um, we've done a lot of of you know fabulous hunters over the years. But it doesn't make me any more or less starstruck, like I said, when I'm doing it for the fancy lesson horse, or, mm -hmm. you know, we do one for a therapeutic riding center one time, um, you know, and uh, th those are always, always my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. A shifting gears slightly, you're also a horsewoman yourself. What does that look like for you now? Are you able to carve in any riding time? Do you still have horses yourself? Actually, I bred my last horse. So I had him uh, for 21 years. He actually passed away in 2020. Uh, I say I was the first one to scritch his ears before he stood up and the last one to scritch his ears when he laid down. And I have not, look, I'm getting emotional. I don't even do that. I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> so for the first time in uh, decades, uh, we don't own any horses because my daughter who rode um, is in medical school. So she has no time. She still rides friends' horses or when she can, you know, like, sure. like 
pop a ride somewhere. I don't own a horse of my own. I also have, um, I have some issues with my hips. I'm actually having some surgery in a couple months. Mm -hmm. So riding is not really uh, comfortable for me at this moment. So I'm hoping that after we get that addressed, that then I will be be able to ride comfortably again and then and then acquire another equine because it is sort of like oxygen to me like I don't know I can't imagine it not being present Mm -hmm. at all absolutely Um, unfortunately my best friend has a little farm around the corner so I can go like boop noses and things oh perfect yes exactly you can get your fix Exactly. (laughs) I love it. Um, What would you say is something that you are passionate about in the industry that you feel like people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? This is the question that I've actually been been mulling over. Um, And I don't think it's that complicated. I think just like a lot of things in 2022, I'm finding that we just need to be kinder to each other. I think this industry is going through a lot of changes, just like all of humanity kind of is. I'm mostly in the hunter jumper world. um, And there's, you know, they're restructuring the horse shows right now as far as the ratings. And and there's a lot of opinions out there about, you know, is that good? Is that bad? Is that, and everybody's got a valid voice. And then it, you know, there's, there's drugging questions going on in the reigning world. There's, there's all these different topics that people are passionate about. And I just, on social media, which can be such a fantastic tool in so many ways, I think it is also, you know, people hide behind keyboards and are mean to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think being mean to horse rescues because you would have done it differently or being is, is, you know, I think that's actually the thing out there that bothers me the most is just, I wish just like everyone else that in the industry, we could focus on the best interest of the horses and be kinder to each other. What do you think are the potential like actionable steps to work towards that goal? Wow. I don't know if, I don't know if there's an answer, you know, (laughs) right? that's hard. That's hard because it's so, it's almost like some sort of core uh, human, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I don't know. It's what, biological creatures do is they they struggle for dominance you know that that's what and and at the end of the day that's that's what we are listen that's the anthropologist in me talking again (laughs) um but so so there's always going to be conflict it is my hope that i have this i have this this has nothing to do with horses but i have this um theory about social media which is that you know people say that we're also so divided now and polarized And my theory, which is just that, is that that's always really been there. It's a big country. Um, There's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different needs and and realities across our country. And that some of those, I think those extreme opinions, I think, have always been there. But we didn't know about each other, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people in in area A and B and C, they didn't didn't interact to the the extreme level that we do now uh, with social media. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, Facebook blows up. We all all go, oh my gosh, there's some dude over there who thinks the opposite that I do. And there's some dude over there and we must get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think that I'm hopeful that as we go forward, then we learn that that's not such a big deal. And we're not as, as far apart as we thought. And, and that different opinions are, are, are not only fine, but they're actually good. And we should all learn from each other instead of fighting with each other. But I don't know how you, you said actionable. None of that is actionable. That's <laughs> just the theory. 
you know, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know in my own little world, you know, think local, you know, or act local, think global. You know, I, all I can do is in my own world, try to be what it is. I, I said, I'm hoping to see and yeah. hope that there's a bunch of us and that it, you know, has an effect. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like just continuing to talk about it and keeping, I mean, it's a good, it's a good reminder for me. It's a good reminder for anyone listening and, you know, hearing those, you know, kind of ideas, helping you kind of shift your mindset and, and, and kind of like go back to the core. I mean, I think really the, the whole purpose of this podcast too, is to just kind of go back to all of our own core as to why we do this. And it's for the love of the horse and kind of, you know, branching and building off of that. And so um, I think talking about it more, I think trying to create opportunity to celebrate the people who do do that well, who are kind and, you know, successful in this business and to applaud those people. I think that that's always good. And it's also a good way to, have a positive spin on, you know, like a a platform like Instagram or, you know, other social media to be able to kind of like celebrate those who are doing that well. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's really hard to say because you're right. It is definitely like just kind of a who people are at their core. And sometimes we, even though maybe they are, you know, have kindness and love and are kind people, we, we often will lose sight of that just with the, our industry is such a crazy bubble and the, especially, especially a different wonderful, crazy bubble. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, but there are, there are parts of it that are just so intense and so constant that I think we get tired sometimes and we get, maybe, um, we kind of, slowly find ourselves moving away from who we are as as humans and maybe outside of working in the equestrian industry so all that to be said it's that's a very good reminder <laughs> and tired I think that's the word I think mm-hmm. we're all tired in 2022 <laughs> yes. right it's been exhausting just exactly. all of it <laughs> exactly oh man well Katrina thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me a little bit about the clothes horse I think a lot I mean so many people have seen what you do. I think putting a a name to, you know, all of the, the banners and the blankets and the, the covers and everything that you do. I think it's, I think it's so incredible. It's such a unique part of the industry. So I applaud you for what you've been doing and what you continue to do. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so, so much. It's been lovely. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.